Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Burn South Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is Up in the Rafters. Carolina basketball legend and 2017 national champion, Justin Jackson. Justin, I know you're doing well. You're out there in Boston. The Celtics are in first place in the Eastern Conference. You have your family out there with you from Thanksgiving, and now you're on a, a long homestand. But it's been a a rough past week for the UNC basketball team with back-to-back losses, first on Friday against Iowa State and then Sunday in four overtimes against Alabama. What have kind of been your takeaways watching this team from the uh, Phil Knight Invitational? I, I've been telling everybody kind of around here um, that we we definitely have probably the most talent when it comes to college basketball, um, but we're not necessarily the best team right now. Um, and that goes for how hard they play, um, how much they play together throughout the game um, and how much they pay attention to all the little details. Um, I think after watching these past, you know, these past few games and kind of seeing how certain teams, how they start off playing and they can play that same way the whole game um, with no kind of adjustments when it comes to the players. Um, you know, I think that for me is kind of the most concerning part. Um, but, you know, I'm going to keep saying it. It's still somewhat early. We haven't even hit ACC play. Um, but I think there's definitely a few things they got to kind of tweak a little bit. On the Celtics, take us inside that locker room. I know J.D. Davison is uh, an Alabama guy. Were, were there any bets made in the locker room? And you also have Noah Vonley, who North Carolina is going to see Indiana. What's what's the the trash talk kind of been like in the Celtics locker room? Yeah, man. Um Thankfully, JD wasn't up with us uh, yesterday. He was he was in Maine, um, but it's an automatic bet whenever your team plays another guy's team. So I'm gonna have to add his Apple Pay, Venmo, something, <laughs> um, and, and get that money to him. Um, and then I honestly I didn't even think about Noah being with Indiana. So we're gonna have to I'm gonna have to talk to him tonight. Um, I gotta up the ante. I gotta, I gotta ride with my guys. You know, after back to back losses, I gotta ride with them. So, we'll see what we'll see what the outcome of that one is. But it's always fun to you know go back and forth and have those kind of bets and that stuff on the line in the in the NBA locker room. I love the double down where you know a lot of people might be getting off the Carolina bandwagon. They lose two games. You're you're reinvesting. I can't. I, can't. I gotta ride with them. You know, I know there are a lot of people that rode with us whenever we had a few bad games. So I got to ride with them. And today the the new AP rankings came out. Carolina goes from one to 18. You normally don't see that type of, of fall in, in the rankings. 
as a team that is coming off an appearance in the national championship game, how do you think they're feeling coming off the holiday weekend and, and kind of getting humbled out there in Portland? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I think humbling is the perfect, perfect word to use. Um, you know, you all off season, um, and even going, you know, through this first part of the season, it's, it's been how good they are. Um, and how they've returned basically everybody back and brought in another guy that could really help them and all of these things they can do, like how great they are. Um, and then you kind of get hit in the mouth the first game against Iowa State um, with a team that obviously everybody knew was pretty good, but they weren't favorited or anything like that. So you get hit in the mouth with that one, and then you hope that you can kind of bounce back and kind of get the momentum back, and then you get, you know, in what was an unbelievable game. Um, but you get you get knocked down again. So I think it's a matter of them. It's a quick turnaround. You know, they play again on Wednesday – obviously. And for me, it was the loudest gym I've ever played in. Um, and so you got to just get back to yourself. You got to, you know, get back to the details of what got you to where you are, what got you to the national championship last year and what's gotten you to some of the success early on and, you know, try to focus on yourself. Yeah. That Alabama game was wild. It had, it was very little offense was being played or very little set offenses were being played. Uh, my, my thought watching that game, I was like, soccer might have a point having ties where it was like, I'm watching that game. We're going to two overtimes. We're going to three overtimes. Carolina is inbounding the ball with three seconds. They turn it over. Alabama gets the ball. Alabama turns it over. Carolina gets one shot. I'm like, you know what? I I don't think either team really deserves (laughs) to win this game. Uh, unfortunately for North Carolina, Alabama made just essentially one more play than them to win the game. That's what Hubert Davis said in his post game. The most worrying thing for this North Carolina team right now, I think on the defensive end has to be their three point defense teams are shooting 35.6% against them. That's 262nd in the NCAA and then 309th in three point attempts per game with 25.2. So not only teams are are making threes against them, they're also shooting it at, at a very high volume. What do you think's happening on that side of the ball for the Tar Heels and and how can they kind of fix those issues? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not totally sure what their schemes are defensively. Um, I know I've seen a few times guys have helped off like strong side corner, which is we did it whenever we back we were back in North Carolina, but you know, in the NBA, that's like the biggest no-no of defense is never help off the strong side corner. So you've seen that a couple of times. You've seen um, you know, guys just kind of lose track of shooters. Um, you know, in Iowa State, obviously it was shown with I think his last name was Grill. Um yeah. you know, he was kind of getting loose. He had he had some tough and contested ones as well, but he was kind of getting loose just randomly. Um so I like I said, I'm not sure what Coach Davis and, you know, the coaching staff have them doing as far as the help defense and how to play against shooters and that kind of thing. But I think it's just an awareness at all times of, okay, if my guys hit three or four shots, I might not be able to help as much. Like I got to start creeping out a little bit more. Um, I have to always be aware of where he is on the floor. Um, so I think a part of it is obviously, you know, whatever they say to do on defense, that's what they're supposed to do. But I think the players on the court also have to be smart and knowing, okay, this guy's kind of got it going or, 
you know, this guy's shown that he's willing to let it go from wherever. So I got to get out there, you know, a little bit earlier than I usually do. Yeah, you mentioned Caleb Grill from Iowa State, and it's the perfect microcosm for the Carolina basketball when it comes to defense. He goes for 31 points against UNC. He's 11 of 15 from the field, 7 7 for 11 from three. The next game against UConn, he's 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from three, one point. So it's like whatever the North Carolina defense is doing, other teams aren't really having those same issues. And and when you highlight the, the three point, how, how much of a issue it's been for Carolina to defend the three point line. I think the, the Caleb grill story right there is, is the, the perfect example of that. And I think North Carolina's defense, they are playing well for, you know, 24 seconds, but you, you play well for 24 seconds. That still leaves six seconds for a team to get off a great look. If you're Carolina and you are playing well for 24, 25 seconds, is there anything you could do to kind of work on like finishing out possessions? Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, once again, it's, it's staying aware of the whole entire, the whole possession, you know, like for instance, when they play Virginia, Virginia uses the entire shot clock. Right. So it's like, you can't ever relax or you can't say, okay, I've played 25 good seconds of defense. Like, let me just chill. Um, you have to just always stay aware. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, even I think a few times they still are rebounding them, but I think a few times Iowa State even got some second and third chances, um, you know, by hitting the offensive glass, especially down the stretch. And I think that obviously is demoralizing for a defense who might play good defense for 28 seconds in the shot clock and then they give up an offensive rebound. Um, But I think it's just a matter of, you know, I think we've seen them compete and play really hard for the most part. Um, But I think if they're able to play hard and, compete the whole entire game obviously there's lulls there's ups and downs things are going to happen within a game but if you can rely on okay I know every single time we go on the court we're going to play hard then your talent is just going to take over Um, and I think we've seen a few times where they're locked in defensively like they're pressuring the basketball you know they're switching up they're you know communicating and you know rotating whenever they need to rotate and then there's other times where you just kind of see guys just kind of relax. Um, and you see, obviously, a guy like Grill gets hot and gets some confidence. Um, and it's kind of hard to stop that. So I think they just have to compete and, and be aware at all times. Carolina's leading scorer in the Alabama game, Caleb Love, uh, a career high 34 points. I don't think that tells the entire story because this stat that I'm about to read is 36 field goal attempts are the fourth most in a game by a Tar Heel, the most since Billy Cunningham in 1964. Four overtimes doesn't help that that overall number, but still when 40% of your shots are coming from somebody who's already not that efficient already, it, it's never going to be a recipe for success. You add in R.J. Davis and the backcourt shot at 60 times, so 66% of UNC shots on Sunday – came from two players that shot it at a 35% clip from the field. Thinking of some of the teams that you were on and nobody is coming close to that type of volume for the people that love this program. It's, it's, it almost makes 
the Carolina basketball offense look like unrecognizable. Like we've, we've really never seen something like this before. What's your take on the offense and why is it so, you know, so heavy on just one or two players getting all the looks? Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the thing is their offense is totally unrecognizable to what it was when coach Williams was here. You know, that's just how, that's just how it is now. Coach Davis has changed up some of the plays He's got a few more like NBA sets, high pick and rolls, that kind of stuff in it that you never saw with Coach Williams' offense. Um, so that's one thing that I think people are just going to have to get used to seeing is a little more ball dominant from the point guards and coming off pick and rolls and that kind of thing. Um, but I think, too, we've always – we've talked about it even going into the season. Caleb Love, RJ, and Mondo, those were the main guys that – we knew we we're going to have to be aggressive and have to be, you know, pulling all the weight basically on offense. Um, you know, obviously you see a game like, you know, the Portland game where Pete Nance has 28. He looks like he's super confident shooting the ball well. Um, and then, you know, whether it was team started making adjustments or they just didn't get him as involved. We know Leaky will give you, you know, 10 to 12 um, just kind of, you know, randomly throughout the game. But I think it's tough in a game like that where obviously you add 20 extra minutes. That's a whole nother half. Um, and I think what's crazy to me is he only shot – Caleb Love only shot 11 threes. So 25 of those shots were – whether they were mid-range pull-ups, uh, he was shooting a bunch of floaters, which I'm I'm the number one advocate when it comes to floaters. Trust me, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. Um, but I think a lot of times, especially in a game like that, you have to try to get the best shot possible because you know you're going to have to come back on the other end and play 25 more seconds of defense. Um, and so, you know, it is 36 shots is a lot of shots. RJ shot 24. Um, I think the one for me that's a little more worrisome is the fact that Mondo only shot 12. You know, like obviously they were doubling a lot on the block and things like that, but the fact that you're, you know, pillar basically down there only gets 12 shots in a 60 minute game um i think that's kind of more worrying than the you know 60 combined shots between the two the two guards yeah i was gonna say mondo was in foul trouble for parts of the game and then he was also uh battling some ankle injuries to kind of justify why he only had 12 shots but i mean he still played 39 minutes <laughs> You still played almost 40. So you would you would think you would get him a little more. I mean, he still finished with 20 and 10. So it's not like he didn't, you know, he didn't do anything. But, you know, to see 36 shot attempts and 24 shot attempts and then he only has 12, I think that's that's where I think there was a little uh, discrepancy that should have been fixed a little bit. Yeah, and I think part of the frustration from the fan base is the shot selection you mentioned mm-hmm. where – you know, the, the guards really aren't attacking the rim. They're taking these contested jumpers at the free throw line or or the floater. Like most most UNC fans, I'm glad you mentioned this, most UNC fans would sign up for 20 floaters a game if they're coming from you. But that really hasn't been a strength of Caleb Love's game. So what do you think the best way or the best middle ground for Carolina to, to win games but also maximize – Caleb and and RJ's potential in this offense. Yeah, it's tough because Caleb has shown that he 
can hit those, um, especially when he kind of gets it going. You know, you kind of saw him. I mean, he hit he hit a decent amount during this little tournament of, you know, one two dribble floaters or um, coming off the pick and roll floater. Um, but I think with him, it's honestly it's just kind of mixing it up and whether it is okay, maybe sometimes he just takes all the way to the hole, tries to get fouled, or tries to finish at the rim. We've seen his athleticism and his ability to finish at the rim. Um, or it's just a matter of letting plays develop a little bit more. You know, we've seen him kind of shoot some floaters like from the free throw line um, or a little further out. And it's, you know, I feel like coming off the ball screens or even off of a closeout, a lot of times when you let things develop, there's a better shot that ends up, you know, opening up. Um, so I think that's all it really is. Obviously, RJ, you know, he's a little he's a little shorter. So a lot of his is going to be pull ups or, you know, trying to mess with the defensive rhythm and, and getting floaters up quickly or whatever it might be. It might not be a ton of finishes at the rim, but um, I think it's just a matter of letting things develop a little bit more and waiting to see. And then if it is the floater is, is the best option for the shot, then shoot the floater every single time. Um, but it's just letting things kind of develop and let things, you know, lay out how they're supposed to lay out and then make the best read off of that. Yeah. And I don't think it was all like doom and gloom from the, the Portland trip. You mentioned that Portland game. You saw Pete Nance is offensive potential. Um, you lost two games, but it's, it's two probably NCAA tournament teams um, that it's going to help. They lost these games now, but they're, they're going to be more battle tested um, come tournament time when you play these higher caliber teams like Iowa State and, and like Alabama. I I'm, I um, wrote down a few of the positives that I've seen. One, it, it's not a lack of effort. This this team is out there. They're playing hard. You got uh, a few tough plays from, from Puff Johnson. I thought it was nice to see him uh, where he probably had his best game since that national championship game against Kansas where – He's he's diving on the floor. Uh, Seth Trimble, he had big plays to force a deflection out of bounds. Um, and then from that Alabama game, I thought Pete Nance showed his ability to guard on the perimeter. I thought his play was outstanding where he played four overtimes without fouling. He went into the first overtime with four fouls. Um, so what have you kind of seen from this early season to – be encouraged, I guess, with this North Carolina team and, and where they could end up. Yeah. I mean, it's um the number one thing is it's still very early. You know, this was like, this was a holiday tournament, you know, so um, they still have some big time games that they'll be able to play in and be able to prove that, Hey, we are the real deal. Um, I think this does help humble you a little bit more and make you kind of, you know, okay, we know we got to do these things and play this hard and, be this focused each and every game because at the end of the day, whether they're one or 18 or whatever, it's, it's super cliche, but everybody's going to give North Carolina their best shot. Like that's in their mind, selfishly as a, as an individual player, if I play really well against North Carolina scouts and people like that are watching. Right. And as a team, if I play really well and beat a North Carolina team that goes on to my you know resume for the NCAA tournament and, and going on forward, um, and it's nothing but good. Um, so I think they have to realize that. Um, and, and two, I think, like you said, they've played hard, you know, in that Alabama game for them to, for each team to only score a hundred, 101 to 103 in 60 minutes of play 
there's a lot of defense and a lot of competing going on. Um, and so, like you said, you got to hang your hats to Alabama for making, you know, one or two extra plays better than them. Um, but they, they fought. And so if you can take that and you can go back and clean up some of the little details that maybe got you to that point where you had to go to overtime um, and keep on working on yourself and keep on staying engaged and play for each other and be there for each other, then I think they'll be just fine. You beat North Carolina. It's going to be the first highlight played when you get drafted. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. And this team, they're they're going through the struggles right now. They're they're battling four overtimes or just the holiday tournaments in general, where you're on the road for a week with your team. From your time in Chapel Hill, how did those shared experiences bring your team closer together and help you guys reach some of the goals that you had? Yeah, I mean, I. You know, going to the Bahamas, going to Maui, um, doing some of those tournaments, uh, those were some of the best times. Um, you know, you you watch, you know, some of the, you know, the end of the season videos and things like that. And it just you just remember all of the good times that you had during that time. And most of it's off the court. You know, obviously, when you get to play in a tournament like this, you know, you get a bunch of gear, a bunch of shoes, all that kind of stuff um, basketball wise. But to be able to be with each other on Thanksgiving um, in Portland, Oregon. Um, those are things that right now it kind of sucks because you lose a couple games, but those are memories that you're going to remember um, for a while. So, um, you know, that's another thing is hold on to the times that y'all are together. Hold on to, you know, the good times that you have off the court because that only helps you on the court. Um, so hopefully they, you know, enjoyed as much as they could this this situation and they can kind of move on from it. Yeah, one thing from my time playing football at Carolina, your time probably um, playing basketball at Carolina, you know that like when you're winning, everybody's telling you you're you're great. But when you're losing, you start to realize like the only people I really have in my corner are, are the guys in this locker room and my family. And I think those are kind of the experiences um, that really bring a team together. Uh, but the last thing you want as a team that's reeling is a trip to assembly hall, Carolina back on the road at number 10, Indiana on Wednesday. And then Sunday they're at Virginia tech. Uh, we will be back next week to break it down. Appreciate everybody watching or listening and Justin appreciate the time as always. Always appreciate you, man. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.